The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. I got a word from the Lord for you this morning. James chapter three. So I want to talk to you today about the power of your words. In fact, we're in a series called Note to Self and today's Note to Self is Words Matter. Everybody say Note to Self. self. Words matter. matter. Your words are important. The words that come out of your mouth are important. In fact, Proverbs uh, 18 verse 24 says this. It says that life and death, or verse 21, says death and life are in the power of your tongue. Death and life. Think about that. That's a big statement, death and life. Death is a big deal, isn't it? Life is a big deal. A baby's born, that's a big deal. We got a bunch of pregnant women in this church right now. Life's a big deal. If you got a baby in your tummy right now, you know this is a big deal, right? If you've had a baby, you know it's a big deal. Life is a big deal. Death is a big deal. And this verse tells us that death and life are in the power of the tongue. Now that's not talking about the muscle of the tongue. That's talking about what the tongue has the ability to produce, which is words, your words are a big deal. Your words matter. And, and there's some of you that you're creating with your words. You're creating circumstances for yourself and death for yourself that's doing damage to you, that's keeping you from your connection with God, which is number one, just so you know, that's the first thing. But it's also keeping you from what God wants you to walk in in this earth. Death and life are in the power of our tongue. And so I wanna help you to understand how to harness this incredible power that God has given you through the words that you speak. James chapter three, starting in verse two says this. It says, for we stumble in many things. How many of you can agree that that is true? We stumble in many things. Look at this. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man. If you can get your words right, this is telling you, you can be perfect. Now, how many of you know we can't be perfect? We, we can't do that. But, but, but just notice the, the power of that statement. If you, can, if you can harness this the correct way and get this right, it can lead to some change in your life. Look at what it says, able also to bridle the whole body. You know, many of the problems that we face in life are related to our bodies, yeah. right? We have appetites in our bodies that are not always good. Fear will rise up in our body that will keep us from stepping out and doing some of what God's called us to do. Anger will rise up in our body and cause us to act like a version of ourselves that we do not like. Lust will rise up in our body and cause us to desire things that are not for us to desire. And this verse says that the power to control that is found in the words that you say. Pretty amazing right? goes on to say this, verse three, we put bits in the mouths of horses to make them obey us so we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships, for example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, in other words, there's storms that come against a ship. We all experience storms in our life. They are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants them to go. Notice the pilot directs them, the, the rudder steers them, and it steers them in the direction. Likewise, a tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. In other words, here's what even some of you are thinking right now. Is this really that big of a deal? Like what James is saying right here here is what we we tend to think. Oh, it's just my words. It's not that big a deal. He's saying, no, no, no. These little things are directing where you go in your life. Are you with me this morning? Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil amongst the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole 
body sets, check this out, the whole course of one's life on fire. Notice your words, the tongue, your words are setting the course of your life and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. We've been to the zoo. We've been to the, you've been to the circus when there was a circus. You've been to SeaWorld. They're taming these animals. But look at this. It says this, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. Words are powerful. Yeah. Our words matter. Your words, are, your words are incredibly powerful. Your words have the power to tear down and they have the power to, to lift up. And we see this on display from the very beginning of the Bible. We see how significant words are. If you go back to the beginning of the Bible, in Genesis, the first couple chapters, we read about the creation narrative. And in the creation narrative, we see a phrase over and over again. It says, and the Lord God said, right? Yeah. God said, he said, he spoke and light came into being. And the Lord God said, and there was vegetation. The Lord God said, and the atmosphere was created and, and the, the waters and the, and the earth separated. And the Lord God said, and there's animals. And the Lord God said, and there's human life. He breathes and he creates with his words. God is, is, is created with his words. And what I want you to see is with his words, God created a life-giving environment with his words. I'll say that again because I don't think you guys got it. With, this, with his words, God created a life-giving environment. Yeah. Hebrews 11.3 says that the, world, the worlds were framed by the word of God. So God created. He spoke things into existence. Now, think about this. God could have created any way he wanted to. Like he could have like blinked his eye seven times. And on every day, he blinks. The world's created. He could have snapped his fingers, you know, like we do sometimes. We want stuff done for us. Hey. He could have done that one time in one second and everything could have been created. He could have, you know, jumped up and down three times, spun around, said a funny phrase, and the word was created. But he didn't do that. He spoke. He spoke. Why did he do this? Why did he speak? Why was that important? Because what God wanted to do is he wanted to set an example for his creation, for people that he was going to create, that were going to be created as his image bearers like him. He was setting an example. In fact, the Bible says this in Ephesians 5 verse 1. It says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. You know, God wants us to look at, at him and, and, and him to be a goal. Yeah. Not that we want to be God because we can't be God, but that we would look at Jesus and we would look at the nature of God and we would say, that's, that's what I'm shooting for. Yeah. I remember when, when my son Gus was just a little guy. He, man, he wanted to be like me. He's 12 now. Not so much the case anymore. <laughs> but when he was little, I remember I'd be outside mowing the lawn and he would just stand at the window and watch me, watch everything I was doing, wave at me every time I'd go by. And so finally I was like, you know what? I'm gonna go get this guy a little lawnmower. And so I, I, I went and I found him this little lawnmower and it had a gas can. I got him a weed, weed, a weed eater and a, and a blower. I got him the whole thing. And his little, his little lawnmower wasn't real, by the way. <laughs> that, that's not good. You don't wanna give a three-year-old a real lawnmower. I got him a, a little one that like, produced bubbles. Okay, and so then I was like, buddy, let's go mow the lawn. And we'd go out there and I would mow. And I'm telling you, for like two hours, he was dedicated. He was sweating, taking his shirt off. We got videos like I'm mowing and he's just like, it's me and I go by and then in the frame he comes in and he's, I mean, he stayed out there the whole time. When I was blowing off the grass, he's blowing off the grass. When I'm weeding, he's got his little weeder. He wanted to be just like me. 
And I want you to know, as his father, I wasn't looking at him going, what are you doing? This is ridiculous. Like, you're not even really making a difference here. These bubbles are actually annoying. No. Like, I, I just love that he's trying and he wants to be a part of it. I want you to know, your God loves it when you try. He loves it when you put forth effort. He loves it when, when you're trying to, to follow him and follow his example and be like Jesus. So the difference is you're not just trying. He wants to empower you to actually do it. He wants to give you the tools where it actually does make an impact. And so God creates, he, he creates man. He creates human. And he, he speaks this world into existence. And then he creates a human who, who, is, who is a little image of him in this world that has the same kind of ability to speak. We're the only beings that were created that have the same kind of ability to communicate the way that our father God does. Other animals, like, yeah, don't give me that junk about, like, you know, dolphins, they can click. and blah, blah. They're not, They can't share their heart. They can't click in faith. It's only us that can do those kind of things, okay? So God created us this way. And he created us with this incredible ability. Now, let me clarify something real quick before, before this. I'm not, when I talk about your words, I'm not talking about a magic formula here, Okay? I'm not talking about you just saying, okay, well, I'm, I want God to do this for me. And so if I, if I just say this enough and do this enough, then I can bend the will of God towards my will and my desires. That is not the goal at all. I'm not talking about that kind of garbage. The goal is not to get God to come into agreement with your words. The goal is for your words to come into agreement with God's word. And thus your life comes into more agreement with God's word and God's will for your life. Can I get an Amen. amen. So this is not like, you know, say this enough and God will give you a Ferrari. So calm down on that one. This is, this is speak the life, speak things that are in agreement with God's word and even speak God's word, confess it over yourself, over your marriage, over your finances and see God's word produce life in those areas of your life. That's what I'm talking about this morning. So God creates this world with his words. And, and then it, it's, it's interesting because you, you read the story and the next thing he does, the next thing he does is he takes man, his little image bearer, and he says, all right, now I got a job for you. Yeah. And he gives him his first job. And what is his first job? I want you to go over here and I want you to look at these animals that I've created. I want you, I want you to speak over them and bring order to part of my creation. Because that's what God's word does. It brings order. When God spoke over this world, the Bible says that before God created this world, that it was in a state of chaos, that darkness hovered over the face of that earth. That literally means there was chaos. So God speaks into a world of chaos and brings order to the chaos. And then God says, right after he creates, okay, I've done this now, little image bearer, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go and I want you to bring some order to a part of my creation. He gives him his first job and his first job is not Related to his hands, it's related to his mouth. So this, is, this is good, isn't it? So here's what I want you to see. Your words shape worlds. Your words shape worlds. This world was created by words, words from the Lord, by God's word. And even think about this. When this world was, was, was converted from God's perfection to a mess, it was done by words. Remember when, you know the story. Satan comes to Adam and Eve as a serpent in the Garden of Eden. And he comes to them. And what does he do? He says, he says this. Here's the question he puts before Adam and Eve. Has the Lord God surely said? 
Is that really what God said? See, what we see here is the work of the enemy in our life. What he wants to do is he wants to bring you into conflict with the word of God. He's getting them to question, is, is God really for you? Did God really say that this paradise could be yours? And this is what he does to us. He comes to you and says, did God, God, did God really say you could be healed? Yeah. You? Like you've got cancer. So good. That's a big deal. Like, I don't know if God can even tackle that one. Did God really say that you could be blessed? Does he know what your credit card debt looks like? Did God really say that, that you could be used? Like, does he know the family you were born into? Does he know the mistakes that you made? Does he know, the, like, you know the thoughts you have. God can't use you. He wants to bring conflict. Why? Because if he can bring conflict, like he did with Adam and Eve, he brought conflict. And what did it do? It led to them pulling away from God, which led to sin. And what did that lead to? It led to death. And we're all still dealing with what happened to Adam and Eve when they chose to agree with the lies of the enemy and come into conflict with the word of God. Don't get in conflict with the word of God. If your words are in conflict with the words of God, it will always produce death. Death and life are in the power of your tongue. What words are your words agreeing with? Are they agreeing with God's word, which is gonna lead to life? Or are they agreeing with what the enemy says over you, which is gonna lead to death? Everybody say this with me. Say, my words shape my world. My words shape my world. Note to self, words matter. And I think you can all, like, if we're being real, like, we know this. We know this. We can all think of moments in our life when people have spoken words over us that have caused life to be produced in us or death to be produced in us. We've had people that have spoken stuff over us and said stuff like, man, you're such a loser. Why can't you be more like your brother? What's wrong with you? Like you'll never amount to anything. You're not good enough to do that. You're always gonna, you're always gonna fail. I wish you had never been born. People say this stuff. And some of you have had stuff spoken over you and even though it was spoken years ago, it's still echoing and you still hear it. And when you feel like sometimes God's calling you to something, all of a sudden these words come back because the enemy goes, no, 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 no. That's what God's saying. That's not true. What they said was really true. Conflict, right? Conflict. Who are you agreeing with? Who are your words agreeing with? And in the same way that our words can do damage to us, and we'll come back to those words that were said to us by that boss who fired us or that, that spouse who divorced us. They can hurt us. Your words can also heal. Yeah. We can probably all remember those moments in our life when maybe we didn't feel so good about ourselves, and there was a coach or there was a teacher or there was a parent or there was a friend and they, they looked at us and they called some destiny. They called something out of us. And, it, and when they said it, man, it just brought life to us. It just put wind in our sails and made us feel like we could take on the world. Words are powerful. I think we can all agree with that. Words matter. Words are a big deal. Note to self, words matter. But they don't just, see, words shape your world. But they don't just shape your world, they shape the world around you. Just like your words affect you, they also, your words affect others. Your words are, 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 are shaping image in other people. They're shaping the decisions that other people are gonna make. They're, they're shaping the, the environment of your world, your words are. 
And your words have the power to produce and to produce something that's going to grow and reproduce after itself. Remember when, when God's creating, and think about back to the Garden of Eden, God's creating. His words are creating things. His words create some things that, that, that grow, that are alive and they grow. And not only do they grow, but then they have the ability to reproduce after themselves. God speaks and there's grass and there's plants and there's trees. And now those trees grow. That stuff grows. How many of you know, men, the lawn, the, the needs, it grows, right? It has to be mowed. It grows and it reproduces after itself. He creates animals and what do they do? They grow and they can reproduce after themselves. Here, here's the question. What are you growing with your words? What in your world is being reproduced because of the words that you're saying? What are you growing in your, in your marriage? What's being reproduced in your kids? Your little echoes that you're raising in your home. Words are a big deal. And that's why James, he, it's interesting. You read James 3. He, he goes out of his way to just really keep coming back to this analogy of how important this are. These small things and how they direct big things. He gives us these analogies. He says, uh, he talks about the horse and the bit in the horse's mouth. Now, this one I can relate to pretty well because when I was a kid, I actually had horses. In fact, when I was 12 years old, I got my first horse. His name was Jake. And, uh, and he was, when I got him, he was a two-year-old that had just come off the track. He'd been a racehorse. And I wanted to train this horse to be a roping horse. It may be really hard for you to believe, but at one point, I participated in rodeos and was a team roper. Me, right? The guy with no socks on right now. I did that. But I got this horse and I started training him. And, and so he, he was broken for track, which meant he was really good. At, you, could, you could put a saddle on him and he could run really fast in a circle. But, but to, to train a horse for roping is a different deal. You have to teach them how to, to sit in a chute and wait for the steer to come out. You have to teach them how to track that steer or that calf and get on the right side of it to where you can, you can rope the, the, whatever it is that you're wanting to rope. You have to teach him to stop on a dime and then to create tension in the rope that, that either if you're, the, if you're the header like I was in team roping, it causes that calf to swing around so that the healer can rope the, the legs or to keep tension so you can jump off and go tackle that, that steer. It's a lot of work. And when I first started training my horse to do this stuff, he did not want to do it. He didn't like me. And I remember he'd rear up here. You've seen, you know, Lone Ranger, like Hi-Ho Silver. He'd do that. And I, I learned, like, when it was coming, I learned how to, like, you know, move with him and not get thrown off. He'd buck. He'd try to rub me off on, on the fence post. Like, he did not like me. And he was determined to get me off. But this little 12-year-old, 85-pound kid at the time, was more determined to stay on. And I had an advantage. I had a bit in his mouth. I, I got a bit for you this morning. This is what a, a, the, similar to the bit that I had in his mouth. The way this works is, you see that little... That little uh, I forget the name of it, but the little part in the middle there can bend. And at the top part, that's hooked to the bridle of the horse that goes around their neck or goes around their head. And then the bottom part is where you connect your reins. And so with the reins now, I can pull. And when I pull that shank, that's what it is. The shank in the middle moves and it hits the top of his mouth. And they don't like that. That's a sensitive spot in their mouth. And so what they start to learn to do is they start to get really sensitive to that. And they, they learn even from you being on their back, your body language, so that it's almost like before you even do it, they know it's coming. Like I could be riding my horse in a full gallop and I could just position, I wouldn't even have to touch the reins. I could position myself in my body and he would stop. They learn to be super sensitive to you. 
And so here's what happened. In a, in a matter of about a year, that horse went from being this wild kind of race horse to being a trained roping horse, and he was a beast at it. So get this, this 85-pound boy was able to train a 1,200-pound muscle-bound horse to bend to his will. Why? Because I had a bit in his mouth. I was able to steer the direction of that powerful animal where I wanted it to go because I had a bit in his mouth. In the same way, listen, your words are powerful. They may seem small, but they're steering the direction of your life. The next analogy that James gives us is the, the boat and the rudder of a boat. And I've got another picture here this morning. This is the Symphony of the Sea. This is the largest cruise vessel in the world. It's, it's humongous. Now, I know that cruises aren't really a thing right now with coronavirus and all. This is like a, a, a giant Petri dish right there now. But, <laughs> but before, this was a big deal, right? And this, is, this thing is crazy. Let me read you some of the stats on this thing. It's really wild. Okay, um, it seats... Uh, 6,680 passengers can be on this, plus 2,200 uh, like staff members, so 8,880 people. That's, that's about half, just to put that in perspective, that's about half the size of the Chesapeake Arena can be on this thing. That's big, right? Um, let's see, it's got, it has four pools, a water park, a basketball court, an ice skating rink, a zip line. It has 10 decks. It has a Broadway-style theater that can seat 1,400 people. It has an aquatic outdoor amphitheater with Olympic-height platforms. It has two 43-foot rock climbing walls, and there's a park that contains 20,000 tropical plants. Pretty wild, right? But here's the truth about this big old boat. As big as it is, as, as, as amazing a thing as it is, it's still controlled by a rudder. And that rudder is directed by the pilot of that ship. Now, this is interesting. This is kind of the cockpit or, or what's called uh, the, the bridge of this boat. And let me show you what actually steers this thing. Go ahead to that next slide. That. <laughs> like, we still think that they're up there going, oh, yo, yo, ho. No. They're steering that big old boat with something smaller than a chapstick tube. <laughs> but, but here's the point. Little things steering something big. That little thing controls the rudder, which steers the direction. And we need to be going in the right direction. You know, we talked about earlier, there's gonna be storms in life. I read one time this, 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 this captain was talking about, captain of a boat was saying, it's so important when you're in a storm that you point the boat in the right direction. Because if the boat's not going in the right direction in the storm, it can easily be overtaken by the storm and be capsized. And I was thinking about that this week. You know, I think sometimes we're our own worst enemy in the storms because we don't steer the direction of our life in the right way with our words. What we do, here's what we do. We begin to agree with the storm. And we turn in such a way that the storm easily overwhelms us. Well, here we go again. This is gonna be a nightmare. We'll never get out of this. This is gonna be the end of our marriage. Oh, oh what's happening? A, a, a virus, coronavirus? What's the worst case scenario? Well, that's what's gonna happen. I'm gonna die. That's what people do. And, and, and we agree with the storms. Listen, New Song Church. Stop agreeing with the storm. <laughs> agree with what God has to say. Agree with what his promises say. 
about what's gonna take place in the storm. Point your, your life in the right direction so that you can face the storm head on with the power of God behind you and not just survive it, but thrive in it, amen? Quit agreeing with the storm. The third analogy that James gives us is, is that of a fire and how, how powerful a fire can be. We know this. Fire is interesting because it harnessed in the right way, man, it's, it's great. Like you got a fire pit outside on a, on a nice cool evening and you're roasting hot dogs and marshmallows, man, it's nice, isn't it? You, 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 on a cold night, you get a fireplace going in your home. It can be romantic. I mean, you know, hey, fire is powerful. You get a candle burning in your house. It can bring fragrance in your house. Electricity goes out, you can light a candle and you still can see. Fire in the right area can be really great. Uh, uh, Last year, about this time last year, we bought a new house. And when we bought this house on our property uh, in the front yard, there was this humongous pile of brush. And I guess for 47 years before we moved into this house, the people, I'm kidding about that number, but people had just been piling like every tree limb, every bush, every tree that had gone down, they just kept piling it up and piling it up. So this huge pile and I didn't like it and, and, and Sarah didn't like it. So it had to be dealt with. Yeah. And so, so I called up uh, this company and I said, Hey, would you come out and give me an estimate on this? Well, they came out and they were like, this is massive. Like we can do it, but you're not going to want to pay us for this. This is way too much. And they told me what it was going to cost. And I was like, yeah, you're right. I agree with that. Don't want to pay that. So I had to formulate a plan. And so here was my plan. I'm going to burn it. Now, I couldn't burn the whole thing at once because it would have been seen from downtown Oklahoma City. And, and also where they were, all of this was under a tree canopy. So if I, if I light this up, it's going to burn other trees and, you know, not a good thing. So, so what I did was I went and I bought these two big barrels, burn barrels, and then I dug this big pit and I just began to burn it day by day. And I just got some fires going. I got some coals. I kept those coals hot. And every day I'd go out there and I'd just throw some more stuff on it. I'd throw more stuff on it and it'd burn it away. And I just kept it going. Guys, for months I had to do this. Get up in the morning first thing, I'd go throw a bunch of brush on it. I'd go to work, come back after I got home, throw more brush on it. Just kept doing it, doing it and doing it. And it didn't happen overnight, but over time, as I kept the coals hot, I kept them burning. I took that big eyesore and guess what? You go to my house today, it is gone. It didn't happen overnight. But I want you to know, I was thinking about that, the story this week. Some of you, you got some big old eyesores in your life. You got some habits that you can't seem to get over that kind of sit in your front yard and you go, oh, I don't like that. You got some sins in your life you can't seem to move past. And I believe what God, one of the things God wants you to know is if you'll just can start speaking life-giving words over that. God's word. I'm not, and I'm not talking about daily affirmations with Stuart Small. I'm talking about God's word. Stuff that's in agreement with God's word over that big problem day by day. It ain't gonna happen in one moment. But over time, you're gonna just start burning it away till one day it's gone. It's gone. Words are powerful. Words can do something amazing in your life, but they can also do damage, right? I mean, we know there's fires going on right now in America that are bad burning up tons of acreage. We've seen the fires in Australia last year. And what's funny is a lot of times when these fires happen, they can trace them back to a source. There was this fire in California that burned up so, I mean, it cost even into the billions of dollars of damage was done. And it started because of a campfire that someone was a little careless with. Or someone flicked out a cigarette butt. 
And, and you know what? Here's the thing. Sometimes we don't value our words. And we don't value the damage that they can do. And so what do we do? We just kind of flick our words out there. We say little things about our spouse behind their back to their face. We say little things about our kids. We just flick these little words out there. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter. Just flick them out there. And what we don't know is we're, we're doing damage. We're burning stuff up and the damage is gonna be seen for years to come. Some of you are, have had to deal with damage from a little word that was flicked out at you. Our words are powerful. We need to get a hold of this. And you know, we live in a world right now, something just hit me this week so strong. We live in a world right now that is prone to burning. We live in a very brittle world when it comes to words. The, the climate of our country and of the world right now is like ready to ignite. And, and so God's called us. In fact, the Bible talks about it talks about how we're to, in, in one scripture, it talks about in our marriage, you're to wash your, wa- your wa- wife with the water of the word. And the idea there is that there's a refreshing that we're to bring. We're not to bring, we're not to start fires. We're to put stuff out. We're to bring a refreshing and, a, and life, life. Like water brings life. We're to bring life. But we gotta get a hold of this. And let me also say this. It's not just the words that you speak. I also want you to know the words that you type and the words that you post, and the words that you comment, those are words too. And they affect, they do stuff. Like you can't just text whatever you want and comment whatever you want. As believers, we ought to be leading the way when it comes to being people who are harnessing the power of our words to create an environment of life in this world. We need to be aware that what we say, what we put out there, it could be causing fires that do damage to people, that push people further away from God, further away from the truth. We gotta be careful, we gotta be cautious, we gotta watch what we say. Who are your words agreeing with? That's a good question, isn't it? Taking notes, I'd write that down. Who are my words agreeing with? Are they agreeing with God and his word? Are they agreeing with the enemy? Are they producing life or are they producing death? Your words are matter. And every word you're speaking is either releasing life or it's releasing death. So, so what do we do? How do we deal with these words? How do we fix this and gain control of our words? Because here's the deal. Verse 8, James 3, verse 8 tells us that, that no man can control your words. So think about that. Like I'm, I'm sitting here, I'm telling you that you need, to gain a whole, you need to gain your words, but then the verse tells us you can't do it. So... So what's the answer here? Well, notice what the verse says. It says no human being can tame the tongue. But it doesn't say that no one can tame the tongue. So who can tame the tongue? I'll tell you who can tame the tongue. The one who can tame the tongue is the one who created the tongue. It's God. God wants to help you with your words. In fact, look at this. Exodus chapter four, verse 10. We talked about this verse last week. God's talking to Moses through a burning bush, right? And Moses, what's his excuse as to why he can't be used by God? What's his excuse? I can't, I can't, this, I don't have control of this. Verse 10, he, he says this. Then Moses said to the Lord, oh my Lord, I am not eloquent. In other words, I, I, I don't have the ability to do this the right way. I can't, I can't speak. I don't have control of my tongue. Neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. Look at God's response, verse 11. So the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? 
I love that. God's like, hey, who made your mouth? That, that instrument that you're saying isn't good enough, who gave you that? I gave you that. I know what you got. I know what's, what, you, what, you, what you have. I know the tools that I've given you and I can work with them. That's what God says. Verse 12, he says, now therefore go and I will be with your mouth and I will teach you what you shall say. I want you to know, just like God spoke to Moses and said, I can be with your mouth, God speaks to you today and he says, I can be with your mouth. I can teach you what to say. He won't make you say it. You gotta submit it. But he can teach you. He can give you the option of what you say. God wants to help you manage your mouth. And the Bible's clear about this, that your words are powerful and God wants to help you with them. Luke 12, verse 11 says this. Now, when they bring you to the synagogues, the magistrates and authorities, don't worry about how or what you should answer or what you should say. Verse 12, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. The Holy Spirit wants to help you in those moments where you need him to show up and help you to know what to say and help you to understand what not to say. Now, he ain't gonna make you do it. He'll teach you what you ought to. So he'll give you the option. He'll be there going, hey, if you'll listen, this is what you should say. Or, hey, don't say anything right now. Just be quiet because what you want to say ain't gonna help. Luke 21 verse 15 says this, for I, God will give you the right words and such wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to reply or refute you. God wants to help you to have the words to say in those moments when you desperately need them. So how do we position ourselves to walk in that? Here's how you do it. You gotta be submitted. Two things you gotta submit. Number one, you have to be willing to submit your words to God's word. You have to be willing to submit your words to God's word. Number two, you have to be willing to submit your words to the Holy Spirit's leading. So, so we're submitted to God's word and what it says. And we're saying, if it's not in agreement with God's word, I'm not gonna say it. I'm not gonna let it come out of my mouth. And I'm, gonna, I'm actually gonna even more so, I'm gonna find words in the scripture and I'm gonna, I'm gonna make those the confession of my mouth. I'm gonna specifically say things that are in agreement with God's word and will for my life because God's word is powerful and it's life-giving. In fact, the word of God is life. Proverbs 3 verse one says, the words of God giveth life. Proverbs 4.22 says, for they, talking about God's words, are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Notice their life to those who find them though. You got to find them. You got to get in them. You got to get in the word. You got to find those words. John 6.63, Jesus said, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. So God has in his word are words that are powerful that have the ability to transform you. And really, that's what, at, that, at the heart, that's really what God wants to do. Through your words, he wants to begin this work of transforming you more into the image of God and transforming your world more into the image of thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because see, the real issue for you is not just what your mouth is saying, it's what your heart is feeling. Matthew 12, verse 34, God says, or Jesus said this, he said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So your mouth and your heart are connected. Write that down if you're taking notes this morning. There's a connection. There's a, there's a lane that goes between the two of those things. And, and, and so your heart, I'm not talking about your physical heart. I'm talking about the center of your spiritual being. But there's a connection between that and, and your mouth. And, if you, and so here's the deal. Uh, the mouth produces the fruit that the heart is growing. So since these are connected, here's the good news. You can change the condition of your heart by changing the confession of your mouth. 
So as you begin to now speak God's word and speak words that are in agreement with the word of God, it begins to change the condition of your heart. And now that the condition of your heart is changing, it's changing the condition of your mouth. And it just goes on and on. So we gotta be willing to submit to what God's word has to say and submit our mouth and our words to say, you know what, I'm gonna speak things that are in agreement with God's word, that are in agreement with God's will. I'm gonna put a guard over my mouth and make sure I'm not just saying whatever comes to my mind. I'm not just gonna agree with the enemy. I'm gonna speak the words of God. Because listen, just like Satan came to Adam and Eve in the garden, he's gonna come to you. And he's gonna say, has the Lord surely said? Is that really what God said? Does God really say your words matter? Like, come on. That's crazy. God really say that he could change your life through your words? I don't know. That sounds crazy. Because he wants to bring you into conflict with the word of God. Don't be in conflict with the word of God. Agree with what God's word has to say. And then the second thing is you submit your words to the Holy Spirit's leading. In other words, you go, okay, Holy Spirit, I'm gonna listen to you. I know that you're gonna speak and you're gonna help me know what to say, but one, I'm inviting you in and I'm inviting you into my mouth. I'm asking you to inhabit my mouth and help me to say the right things. And here's where the work of the Holy Spirit, and this is why it's important that you're in the word because one of the major works of the Holy Spirit in your life is he brings back to remembrance in your life the word of God. He's your helper. In fact, this is what Jesus said in John 14, 26. The comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring things to your remembrance I have said unto you. So the Holy Spirit wants to come to you in those moments when you need the words to say, whenever there's a, there's a storm coming or whatever, and you start to wanna start saying stuff that's in agreement with the storm, the Holy Spirit will come to you and say, no, 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 here's what the word says. Here's the truth. Let this set you free. Don't say that, say this. Don't agree with that. Agree with this. Agree with God's word. Make that the confession of your mouth because that stuff's death and this is life and this is what you need. That's what we gotta say. We gotta agree with what God's word has to say. And he'll also Thank God for the Holy Spirit. He'll tell you sometimes, hey, shut up. He'll, he says it real sweet. But he'll tell you. When you're getting ready to, never mind. Some of you need some more never minds in your life. Just be quiet and listen to his leading. He wants to help you. And sometimes the Holy Spirit, you know, here's a couple of little practical areas I believe the Holy Spirit's leading us to speak in is one is, I think one of the great things we can speak into our world is when we see people doing great stuff is that we speak into it. You know, some of the life that needs to be produced in us is, is, hey, I'm proud of you. You know, it's easy when people are great to take that for granted. When people are just great, sometimes you just expect that. And we kind of forget that they need to hear it. So here's a challenge for you this week. Who's great in your life? Who's been great? Maybe it's your parents. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's a friend. You see them and they're such a great husband. They're such a great wife. They're such a great parent. Let it fly. Let them know. Write them a note. Send them a text. Like don't wait for Father's Day to tell your dad he's great. Sometimes we wait for these holidays. Don't wait for Valentine's Day to tell your wife she's awesome. Like, let's be people who are quick to send those, 
those notes to people to tell people how great they are. Sometimes the Holy Spirit leads us to that. Be, be sensitive to that. Sometimes what the Holy Spirit will do is he'll lead you to fix some mistakes. You know, in relationships, a lot of times relationships fall apart because of words, right? And the, and the very way that they fell apart is a lot of times how they're going to be put back together. And instead of waiting on them, maybe we need to be the one that leads the way as a Christian and says, hey, I'm sorry. I know this isn't right anymore and I know I, I'm at fault in it. And I just, I'm sorry. I want you to know I'm sorry. And I ask you to forgive me. Now, I'm not telling you if you've been in an abusive or ugly, toxic relationship, you should try to mend that again. That's, but are there some relationships in your life that could be fixed with words if you would just be willing to go there? That's my challenge. There's your homework this week. What relationship can you repair with your words? Words are powerful, right? Words can make a big impact. Words shape worlds. Your words determine your direction. And God wants to help you to manage your words if you'll just be willing to listen to him. So note to self, words matter. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? What's the Holy Spirit saying to you right now? Maybe the Holy Spirit right now is showing you a relationship that could be fixed if you would be willing. I also want you to know, Romans talks about this. It says, as much as possible, as far as it depends on you, live in peace with everyone. What I love about that verse is it calls us to something, but it also lets us know it's not always gonna be possible. But our job is not to try to determine what's possible by God or not. Our job is to, as much as possible, as far as it depends on us. Am I doing everything within my power? And, and what God wants to do, there may be a relationship in your life and you know there's not peace in it and you may reach out and they might not be interested at all. But what God will do there is he'll bring you peace. Maybe there's tension and there's a lack of peace there, but God wants to bring peace to you, a peace that passes understanding. And maybe the relationship didn't get repaired, but you can walk ahead knowing you did everything you need to do. Maybe there's someone in your life that God's putting on your heart to just let them know you think they're great. Let them know you appreciate them. Maybe they're a really good pastor that needs to hear that from you right now. Just kidding, just kidding. But God's good, isn't he? He loves you and he wants to help you. And our words are a big deal. Lord, we thank you that we're your little image bearers in this world, that you created us with an incredible gift to be able to speak life into our world, that life and death are in the power of your tongue, Lord. That's your word. This isn't hocus pocus. This isn't some kind of trick. This is simply what your word says. And so we, we thank you for your word. We thank you for its power in our life. And we thank you for what you're gonna do in our life, Lord, as we submit our words to your word. And Holy Spirit, we invite you to speak to us, to lead us and guide us, to show us what ought to be said, and then to empower us to say it or to not say it. Help us, Lord, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. If your head's still bowed and eyes closed, if you're here this morning, maybe you don't know God, you don't have a relationship with Jesus today, you know you're far from him, I'd love to pray with you this morning. I'd love to help you to step into the life that Jesus has called you to. So if that's you today, with every head bowed, every eyes closed, I'm gonna pray a prayer. And I just, if that's you, you know you're not right with God, I want you to repeat this prayer after me. And church, we're all gonna pray this prayer together. Say, Father God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for sending your son to die on the cross 
for my sins. I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. I know I'm a sinner and I need a savior. And I thank you for dying for me, for being resurrected so I could step into new life with you. I recognize right now as I speak these words, life change takes place. New life is born. Thank you, Lord. I worship you. I praise you. I give you my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.